Hi there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'd like to take a moment to announce that we are launching a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash TalkingTolkien. We'll also post it on our Facebook and Twitter. We'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment to check out the Patreon and hopefully give some money. Obviously, you don't need to give. We'd appreciate you sharing our podcast just as much. With just a little bit of extra funding, we'll be able to buy server space, equipment, and other necessities to help our podcast grow. Eventually, our plan is to offer other podcasts about other beloved works and overlooked classics. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Tolkien. This is our second episode for The Fellowship of the Ring, and today we're going to start a fun new tradition on this day in Middle-earth. Katie, why don't you take it over from here? (laughs) Well, um, on this day in Middle-earth, today's day in Middle-earth actually didn't happen in Middle-earth, but I still feel that it's an important date to mark. Today, the day that we're recording this, is September 2nd, and on this day in 1973, J.R.R. Tolkien passed away. So again, that's not a Middle-earth date, but it's still an important date for us to take note of. But... Uh, but the day you'll be hearing this is September 10th, or later if you're joining us, you know, much after the fact. In which case, we appreciate you coming back and listening to us. Yay! Um, but yes, we're releasing this on September 10th, and on this day in Middle Earth, Chase, what happened? The White Council people, which was, let me guess, it was, it was, uh, it was a Gandalf? Mm-hmm. Saruman? Mm-hmm. Was Galadriel actually in that? Mm-hmm. So was Galadriel, and was was Elrond part of that as well, or was that just, a, okay. And was Radagast? Radagast, oh gosh, that's a wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're reading a book with a handy (laughs) appendix. Let me just consult and see if. Well, anyway, the White Council. I'm fairly certain Radagast was not part of that. Assaulted Dogledor. Right. At the end, you know, this didn't happen in the Hobbit, but it was referenced in the Hobbit. Yeah. And somehow, someone was able to infer a date. I don't know how that one is possible. Well, it's, it, <laughs> you know, most of these dates, some of them we kind of fudge them a little bit because, you know, our calendar is different than certain people's calendars within Middle Earth, but we can approximate. And then some days we are given, like, for instance, we know what September 22nd is. I was about to say, so, I feel like September 22nd is like the cipher yeah, that everything's so, built around. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. Which that will be coming up soon, too. Yeah. It was, it, I don't think it was Rowdy. I Wait, it was all like it was all the wizards that were left. Well, from what we know from the text that we've been given, again, I I, I don't, think don't it really recall. Matters. I don't believe Radagast was just White Council, in that. whatever White Council is. Well, in yeah, in, in the text, Gandalf says the White Council and I. <laughs> yeah, really, all we get is 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 him saying it was Radagast the Brown who at one time dwelt at. Rose Gabel near the borders of Mirkwood. He is one of my order, but I had not seen him for many a year. So, so we'll say no. I mean, conceivably, no? he, if, if he lived near Mirkwood, like conceivably, uh, he could have. See, that's the thing. He, inside he, knowledge. That's baseball? the thing. He could have, but again, we don't really get a whole lot of specificity. We just know that the White Council, Gandalf, absolutely yes, was included in that uh, assaulted Dol Guldur. So anyway, uh, I think we forgot this part, but I'm John. I'm Katie. <laughs> and I'm Radagast the Brown. <laughs> My name's Chase. <laughs> Spent the day feeling like Radagast the Brown. 
Alrighty then, I do not want to hear more. Um, so today we read chapter two of book one of Fellowship of the Ring. Y'all might have. <laughs> Chase is doing that thing <laughs> where he gets so engrossed in the text he reads way ahead and then... I have to stop. I have to stop. I rem- there are always students who read ahead. And I remember Mr. Burke, the, the English teacher that Katie and I both had. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal teacher would always get mad when you yeah. read ahead don't and, read ahead and now that chase is doing it i kind of understand why it will affect your discussions it won't happen that was mostly <laughs> an accident <laughs> the syllabus didn't quite clearly state you're chase, the one who, made, the one the who made the okay syllabus. i didn't make i made the syllabus and i didn't read it okay also i don't know if it's weird calling this a syllabus that it's more of a it's more of a schedule, schedule. No, but, but we, we can call it a syllabus All seeing right. as how this is uh, us on the extracurricular. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, yes, we had a massive info dump that spanned. In one chapter, we had how many years passed in this chapter? Like quite a several. few. At, uh, 17. Uh, 17. 17 years. Passed. 17 because, years. Passed. Okay. So when we last left the Shire, uh, you know, Frodo had just turned 33, and it talks about how Frodo is aging. He gives a 112th birthday party. <laughs> For Bobo, which he calls his hundred weight birthday, mm-hmm. um, this is something that I think would slip over a lot of modern readers, uh, especially in America. But hundred weight is an obsolete unit of measurement, and a hundred weight is not a hundred pounds, but rather a hundred and twelve pounds. Yep. Hence, hundred weight birthday for his eleven second birthday. And I feel like the, I feel like that's another one of those things. Like the proper hobbits would be like, oh, pff, pff. like they would get they would get uppity about it just because they'd be like, oh. That seems like low person talk. And, <laughs> and the reason why a hundred weight birthday or a hundred weight is 112 pounds instead of a hundred had to do with calibration. I don't remember specifically, but it, so it would match up with another unit of measurement. Question: How many hobbits is that? Well, didn't we establish that a hobbit is 55 pounds? Oh, we yeah. did, didn't we? So I think we did. yeah, the, that yeah. it's it's like 2.02 yeah, 2.02 yeah, or something like that. I never like measuring things in percentages of people. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Well, hobbits aren't people. Hey, I mean, hobbits was, are people. I was going back. Are we talking from like a biological perspective or a legal one? We're talking from a uh, <laughs> like a like like a metaphysical. Just like chimpanzees, hobbits are non-human persons. They are non-human Is it human possible persons. To already be nostalgic about this podcast already because I was going back and listening to old episodes. I mean, I about, we've been doing like, this for nine months now. Yeah, I made a comment about like six and a half dwarfs. So. <laughs> That's yeah, you said when you were you would you would condense the number of dwarves in the Hobbit movie. Yeah, six and a half. Um, but we digress. So yes. Yeah, so anyway, he gives a hundred and twelfth birthday party for Bilbo, even though Bilbo's not in attendance. And I love the description of that because it's supposed that this that party <laughs> was like food. a feast. Yeah, it snowed food and snowed rained drink, food as hobbits rained would drink. say, which is something that I adore. Um, and then it says that. Frodo is getting on in age and that he's quickly approaching the age of 50, which he's always felt as special because that's the age at which Bilbo set out on his big journey. And now, and then Frodo has turned 50. And now that he has turned 50, it's been nine years since he's seen good old Gandhi. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, Frodo is approaching his 50th birthday and other hobbits have kind of noticed that Frodo has the same sort of youthful look that Bilbo had had. And for a while, they just kind of chalked it up to good luck. They say, oh, isn't he lucky? He looks he looks so young. He still looks like he's in his tweens. Uh, which, again, we love that word. But then, as he was really approaching his 50th, though, then that's when people started to think it uh, strange Weird. and odd yeah. 
Um, and we are privy to certain knowledge. <laughs> yes. The hobbits are not. So before we go on any further, I'm wondering what you thought of this revelation, Chase. Because in the movies, which I know you, you have the, you know, experience with, mm-hmm. it makes it seem like Gandalf was gone for a number of weeks. Yeah, and I feel like that was an appropriate change for the movie yeah, to keep I don't, it going. I don't have much of a qualm with it. Yeah, no, it's no big either. issue. Especially because if Frodo was kind of perpetually youthful, for all we know, it actually could have been 17 years and they just never said. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, it's a weird book and a weird world. I'm accepting some weird stuff. So, time differentials, I don't care. Like That's, that's like minor compared to other things you would have to accept in this book. Yeah. And even then, I'm still willing to swallow those things. So, uh, around this time as well, you know, Frodo had kind of continued to live his life as as he had done before. Uh, he's now the master of Bag End, and as you would expect, he's the subject of interest of all the other hobbits. And... Frodo is, you know, perfectly nice and respectable, but at the same time, he does go wandering off quite a bit. Uh, He does have friends, though. He has friends, especially among the younger hobbits, who are descendants of the old Took, who we remember having learned from in The Hobbit was one of uh, a very respectable family. Uh, But at the same time, the old Took uh, has that kind of tendency to go and do things and so does our yeah, friend Frodo yeah. and Frodo goes and wanders around and he has two friends that are particularly that we will come to know a little bit better and their names are Peregrine Took and Marietta Brandybuck of course they are not called those they're called Mary and Pippin yeah because no one calls them that so Nobody Sam at this that. point is just Gardener <laughs> just Gardener <laughs> who, he's the constant Gardener <laughs> yeah constant Gardener who hangs outside uh, all the time dropping those eaves but I'm getting ahead. <laughs> uh, so eventually Gandalf does reappear. Well, I mean, w- there's there's a lot that happens in the background. Like they have a... Dis- okay, so it's established that the elves are starting to leave Middle-earth and... Pe- and there's also a lot of dwarves going on the east-west road too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were talking about like that they would see the elves b- moving towards the... The Grey Havens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you remember the Grey Havens, we, d- we talked about it briefly in the Silmarillion. I mean, that's where, that's the other chunk of Middle-earth, or the other chunk of Arda, mm-hmm. the other landmass, and there was where the two trees were. But no, 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 that's the west. That's, yeah, that's the actual west. Damn. That's the undead. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> you remember Beleriand? Yes. You remember what happened to Beleriand? <laughs> A little bit. It sank. Yes. In the, in the... Well, war no, of... I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna, I don't remember that. War of Wrath. Okay. So, um... The Grey Havens is at the mouth of a river, and it's basically all that's left of this kind of period of Middle-earth. And so do you remember what happened when Numenor was sank? Oh, yeah, there was... There okay. The un, something happened to the Undying Lands. Were, was, they it were, that, they were, was it that they were able to actually go to them? No, they were made. They, they were was, made unaccessible. It was removed. Reversed. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was removed, and they were made unaccess, unaccessible. And there, there was, there is a path to it, but it's very specific. It's, yeah, and uh, the, the path leaves from the gray hair. Yeah, it leaves from the gray hair. Okay, so I got the nothing right. 
Nothing right about <laughs> Just nothing right. Flat out, nothing right. You're just switching up uh, Valinor with... Yeah. That's what... That's yeah. where... I mean, I, so, like, Grey Havens is actually part of Middle Earth. Yes. It's, it's like a port or something. Basically, okay, yeah. It's basically it's a across, port. Right. It's across the sea. Remember, because uh, the hobbits kind of know in the general direction. Yes. And they can see... They can almost see sort of these elvish towers... Uh, far in the distance, but okay. they don't really know how far it is. So the Grey Haven is right there at the mouth of the river. The Shire is right here. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I'm, and I'm that's and that ancient now. and that ancient east-west road goes through the Shire, and that's the way that the elves used to take. Because remember, the hobbits were granted the Shire under the condition that they maintain the road. Yeah. So um, they see the elves leave, and then other than that, the dwarves are going to the Blue Mountains, which are to the west of the Shire, a little bit south of the Grey Havens, and they're just mining. And so I, I like this bit because, like, clearly, like dwarven society is kind of resuscitating, mm-hmm. but they're getting news, they're getting kind of whispers, uh, you know, that that orcs are reassembling and that things in the south are getting pretty pretty scary, and that the land of Mordor is possibly kind of reviving. I like the idea that everybody else's like. Everybody else's, like, apocalypse is about to happen where the dwarves are kind of coming out of theirs a little bit. If you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this, like, meeting at one point, and I could see where the dwarves would probably... I'm, I'm speculating, but within this fight, being a little bit less... Or a little bit more hesitant about getting involved... Am I right on that? I'm not. We'll see. Don't don't answer. Don't don't answer that. I I I, know, I will never. I will never answer any of your speculations. Leave that up there. there. I will say that's an interesting speculation. There, <laughs> we await we await a, a absolutely gargantuan uh, exposition dump called the Council of Elrond. <laughs> oh yeah, you guys. Have, I've heard about this. You're gonna learn like, a lot of stuff from hundred page from our dear friend Elrond. <laughs> um. So anyway. Sam is like having an argument over if these stories are true or not and talking about ents at one point which nobody else believes in of course he doesn't use the word ent though he just says a a giant walking tree yes (laughs) an elm in an area where there are no elms yeah and the miller's son is like you're crazy and Sam is like well we could ask Mr. Frodo because he's weird you know maybe maybe (laughs) no no No, he says maybe Mr. Frodo has been to visit the elves as, as, as Bilbo had and of course the miller's son is like well they're crazy people anyway. Yeah, and yeah, Sam's like, know. no, they're not. And anyway, he wants to, be- Sam really wants to believe those stories too. And well, and then they talked about a dragon and the Miller's son said, the only, dra- the only dragon in the Shire is green and we're sitting in it. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Love that so much. It's a great bit. Cause as we know, they're in the green dragon pub. Yep. There ain't no brew. What is it? How does the song go? The only brew for the brave and true comes, comes from, from the, the green, green dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I want to drink more of that phantom wine. Sorry. <laughs> so, and th- it's, it's important to note, too, that uh, we're even hearing the name Mordor. And again, for the hobbits, this is something that they could maybe remember in their distant past. And just the name of it is ominous to them. Oh, okay. I feel like they, they, they did. Tolkien does a great job in the prologue talking about how isolated they were mm-hmm. to hear them even say Mordor makes me kind of give like then everyone else is must have like completely decimated by this point well speaking of hobbit lore it's also talked about how uh, Bilbo had passed into hobbit lore as this kind of um, jolly figure who would disappear and reappear with oh, yeah. gold uh, and candy and that also pretty much at, uh, at this point Bilbo 
people call him what do they call him? They said something uh, Mad Baggins. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Imagine after and that seven, old Mad Baggins would just vanish. And yeah. Imagine screen. after like seventeen years, you fart. You fart. My bad. <laughs> you, to be, you, you become part of like legend in some way. Well, but well, this is like several hundred years later, even. Oh yeah, okay. So because it's yeah. doing that thing of like, oh, way after their time. The the classic talking thing I love, which was like, here's this thing you don't get it. <laughs> I'm gonna explain what happens over hundreds of years so you get it. <laughs> Why this is big and special, yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so finally now Gandalf comes back. And we're told that Gandalf, you know, at the beginning, right after Bilbo's disappearance. Gandalf would come back and check in on Frodo. But I always imagined it was like a, hey, uh... Exactly. Like, I, I mean... Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. He would drop in and ask him, you know, how are you doing? How is everything? In particular, is what I told you to keep safe and secret, mm-hmm. still safe and secret? And then I don't know, then it's, been, it's been making weird sounds. It's been whispering <laughs> to itself. It's been, you know, it's been... Keep me up at night. It's kind of it, weird. It kind of buzzes and whirs every now and then. I have so, <laughs> eventually... <laughs> They start to have a conversation, and Gandalf was like, you know what? This stuff is not fit for nighttime. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And then uh, then they're talking about it, and basically Gandalf gives the story of Sauron, what the rings are, all of the rings, the different ones. Uh, you know, how, It goes pretty far back, how, too. Like yeah. even I, that's where I remember there was a reference to Numenor in there. And, yeah. And, and, and what, not necessarily deep, just kind of saying, like, this is so far back, it's not a concern to you, but it happened. And then, like, talks about him building strength in Middle-earth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about then how it came to Gollum. But my favorite part is, Frodo says, how, how on earth did it come to me? Ah, said Gandalf, that is a very long story. The beginnings lay back in the Black Years, which only the lore masters now remember. If I were to tell you all that tale, we should be sitting here when spring had passed under winter. This is exactly what we did. <laughs> Which is what yep. we did. <laughs> That's exactly, yep. <laughs> because, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you asked us, like, one question about elves or something. We were like, all right, we're going to read the Silmarillion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, basically, Gandalf spares Frodo, that, that whole setup that we gave you. <laughs> Talking Tolkien trivia... This show, this show, this podcast started with me going, "What lived in Mordor before whatever?" You know, <laughs> and so we, and we were like, "Well, we really have to go back to you know what's funny the is, first song." You know what's funny? I don't think I've ever had that question properly answered. <laughs> I don't care at this point. <laughs> I just that hit me today. <laughs> um. So yeah, basically, Gandalf is giving him all this information, and and. Frodo is kind of getting more and more of this insane, yeah, anxious, and because this is some pretty heavy stuff that's getting thrown at him, and he realizes that you know Bilbo didn't even know the extent of what the ring was. However, Gandalf suggests that Bilbo was starting to understand it, and especially at the end when. when he had told Gandalf that the ring was weighing more and more on his mind yeah, and that yeah. he felt thin and stretched and Gandalf persuaded him to leave the ring behind and Gandalf Which Bilbo is the only person to have done that right that's very significant Bilbo is the only person in the history of the one ring who has been able to actually 
willingly hand it over. And it's probably because he's he's only been sitting on it for like 60... uh, Part of it probably, he's only had it for 60 years. Mm-hmm. Compared to compared to how long everyone <laughs> else has had but it. Remember, Isildur had it for like two minutes before he refused to destroy yeah, it. But yeah, but men are not hobbits. Exactly. That's my only like, I don't know why, I just know men are not like hobbits. Well, that's the thing that Gandalf says. You know, Gandalf it's repeatedly good. says that hobbits are really, are truly remarkable creatures. And there's a, there's a quote, um... He says, where is it? A lot of what Gandalf says in this chapter is is repeated verbatim in the movie. Not necessarily at this point in the movie, but it does play out in the movie, Mm -hmm. which is great because it's some really fantastic... uh, I know what you're getting at. It's just a really fantastic line, and Ian McKellen is... Mm-hmm. Remember when these movies were good? <laughs> we're going to talk about the movies later. Yeah. We need but, to but talk studying, about the book right now. <laughs> he's like, you could study like Hobbits for like 100 years and still and be still, surprised yeah, by and them. Still be yeah. surprised by them. Which but, is funny because we've actually seen basically that. No, he says you can learn all there is to know about Hobbits in a month. And after 100 years, you're, you're, you're still, still surprised. Yeah, which still is, surprised. We know that that's, I mean, by this point, since he took Bilbo off on that journey, it's been you know, 77 years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I could totally believe now that Gandalf's been hanging around these dudes for hundreds of years. But there's a particular quote that uh, Gandalf says, because Bill, uh, Frodo now is worrying about Bilbo. He, uh, you know, after he's learned about, you know, the, the the corrupting power of the ring, that, you know, Gandalf calls it this unwholesome power that it has, and Frodo mm-hmm. wonders, can Bilbo ever be okay yeah. again? And Gandalf says, well, there's no real way to know that, but let me tell you something. And he says, that, you know, there's something about hobbits. He says they're soft as butter they can be, and yet sometimes as tough as old tree roots. <laughs> and he feels that hobbits can resist the power of the ring longer than yeah. any of the wise could ever imagine. I mean, at first, when Bilbo got the ring, his first, his first, I mean, I remember this from The Hobbit was his first not even like, not even like a thought. Just an instinct. He grabbed the ring and put it in his pocket. Yeah, it was That's just it. he didn't think about it at all. It was and like he a knew reflex. he needed to keep this from Gollum. And I would argue that this isn't being disfavorable to Bilbo. It's just him. I feel like in a weird way, knew kind of about like, or could infer like the ring's interaction with Gollum and be like. Maybe it's best I have I take this thing out of here in a very small way. I mean, not like, not ultimately, but like mm-hmm. in a very little way, because we've seen that this ring, a uh, seal door got affected immediately. Smeagol got affected imme- immediately, as talked about in this chapter, which was some of the most interesting stuff in this chapter because I didn't know that I didn't know that much about Smeagol, and now I know a lot about Smeagol. So let's let's dive into that a little okay. bit, okay? Because. Gandalf gives all of this background of what happened to the ring after it passed out of knowledge, which is after Isildur lost it, uh, talking about how two kind of proto-hobbits, possible ancestors of the Stuars, named Deagle and Smeagol, were out fishing on Smeagol's birthday, and Deagle got pulled over the boat by a big fish and found the ring, and then Smeagol strangled him and took the ring. Since it was his birthday, it was his birthday present, he was entitled to it, etc., etc. That story went to zero to 60 pretty... Well, that kid got ridiculous and scary very fast. And it's very important, again, because this is all showing what the ring does. And um, then Smeagol discovered he could turn invisible, 
and people started calling him Gollum because the sound he made in his throat. And the other he, important thing, though, that we that we learned about Smeagol is that he was very interested in what is called roots and beginnings, and he also was very interested in secrets. So that's why when once he realized that he could be invisible, he used that to his advantage to learn secrets about people and then used those secrets for nasty things. Yeah. And eventually he grew to hate the light, and he delved under the Misty Mountains, and... Then Frodo's like, wait, how do you know all this about Gollum? And Gandalf reveals that he spent most of the last nine years stalking Gollum and eventually was able to question him. It alludes to the fact that he might have actually tortured Gollum because mm-hmm. he says he put the fear of fire in him. Yeah. Um, also, Gandalf tells us that he had some help from a friend to actually find Gollum because it, it takes takes all this time. And he, uh, all we're told is that a friend of his named Aragorn, who is one of the best hunters known yeah. in this world. Right off the bat, this this book is doing a lot of foreshadowing mm-hmm. of future characters and stuff like that. And also with Gollum's backstory that I found very interesting was his grandmother was a matriarch <laughs> of this yes. village or mm-hmm. something like that. And she was the one yeah. who kicked him out. And that was a very interesting little detail. That, that I didn't expect at all. Um, and then eventually it's revealed that, that Gollum had gone all the way to Mordor, where he had... That was crazy, by the way. Where he had been tortured for knowledge uh, and betrayed the name Bilbo Baggins and the Shire. So all of a sudden, Sauron knows where you are, or wh- he knows where to look for the ring, basically. Not only that, but he, he knows for sure that the ring still exists. Because before this, Sauron had kind of thought that it was no longer in this world that it had been destroyed well so maybe now, it gone off like the other rings yeah so now he knows the ring is still out there and he knows that he knows about hobbits now and he knows the name Baggins and he knows that it wasn't one of the three elven rings because mm-hmm. they had never been lost and he knows it wasn't the dwarf, the, uh, the 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 dwarf lord rings because four had been consumed by dragons. Yeah, and then three, three he had recovered. The nine are, were given to men, and those men became so consumed by it they became what we know now as ring wraiths. Which Gandalf alludes to because he says that mortal creatures should not have rings of power mm-hmm. because they slowly, while they become kind of immortal, they slowly just kind of vanish from existence. Yeah. And that's where you end up with the Nazgul. That's mm-hmm. what their deal is, is that they've faded so far that they're not... They still exist, but not really yeah, of a mortal really, form. Yeah. You're, you're kind of because remember, out of this existence. Because remember, they are they're men, and Iluvatar's gift to men is, is death, mm-hmm. and not even the uh, Valar could kind of co-opt that. That's interesting. I, I guess it could start to make sense based upon Iluvatar's gifts towards each of them, how they're deeply affected by these things. Elves don't die, so the concept of immortality is just nothing on them, so they're barely affected by the ring, if ever. If ever. Uh, and then men are like the further extreme of that. They, they can die. It's viewed as a gift, but they're still afraid of it, mm-hmm. and there's still like mysteries behind it. So they're very susceptible to the ring, and then you got the people in the middle, which I imagine are like dwarves, dwarves, hobbits, and whatever Smeagol was. They're mildly affected, so that's interesting. Even mm. though Smeagol was affected very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, at this point, 
Gandalf tells Frodo that it was on that uh, birthday that he he was fairly certain that that ring that your uncle Bilbo gave you is the one ring. Which was a cool little bit that somehow like he needed like one like bit. Like he was very unaware. Like he could have assumed that it was some other mm-hmm. ring of power until the bit about being spread too thin, I think. Was yeah. that it? And, yeah. and it was well, also just Bilbo's possession. behavior. Oh, okay. Because he had become so defensive of it and you know, it was clear that the ring was toying with him and was changing him into Well, it seems like also like since the ring of power a chunk or an aspect of Sauron's power is inside of it there's a probably a sentience to it that is not on other rings and we've talked about that before about it having a mind what am I doing this is this is me talking about this stuff like this <laughs> I never thought that this would happen but anyway sorry B- break of what was happening uh, but yeah so we know that this thing it's, exerts its will on because it has a mind of its own exerts yeah. its will onto other things that part of it that that that's it basically is what I'm getting at is like that that's the thing that separates this one well it's mm-hmm. it's but it's never really clearly established what the relationship is between the ring and Sauron's will because he he says that Sauron didn't know where the ring was, but that Bilbo was kind of meant to take the ring, and then Frodo was meant to have the ring. Mm-hmm. So it's it, the ring has this 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 goal of of getting back to Sauron, but it's not inherently controlled by Sauron to that end. But remember, though, that when Sauron forged the ring, he put some of his power into it. That's where the connection is. It's, well, and th- I, but also, what's interesting too is during so during the Hobbit. Bilbo used that ring a lot. Yes. He used it a lot. However, Sauron was still pretty Sauron didn't know. But then I would, when I when that hit me, I realized, oh, that's right, because he was in Mirkwood, mm-hmm. not at full power. Mm-hmm. And then now he has since he's a little bit more focused. He yeah, rebuilt he has the since dark tower. Rebuilt the dark tower in Mordor and is gaining strength now. Okay. So, so exactly, yeah, that's why. And um, think of it this way, Chase: the ring is a Horcrux. Yeah, I was trying. I was to, gonna go there. I was trying to go there without saying that exactly. I was gonna go. I, thing, I, but yeah, I, I, I don't it's, know. it's more I like, like it's more like Horcruxes are the ring, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, now, what I'm about to say, this isn't lessening Harry Potter and how awesome it is. <laughs> I think the Ring of Power is a little bit more than that, like just a little bit. Oh more. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because I mean, obviously, you can't. I mean, Frodo asks, like, "Can't we destroy it somehow?" And it's like, "You could pound it and pound it, mm-hmm. and nothing will happen to it. It won't even." You know, it's like nothing will happen to it. You can throw it into the fire, nothing will happen. And this, and exactly, this absolute final test now, Gandalf asks Bilbo to hand Frodo. over the ring. Or, sorry, Frodo. Fro, sorry. Fro. Uh, he asks Frodo to hand over the ring. And so Frodo does. And then he's instantly baffled because what does Gandalf do? He throws it into the fire. Mm-hmm. And Bil- or I almost said Bilbo again. Frodo starting <laughs> to freak out. Me. And then uh, and then Gandalf's like, oh, just wait a few minutes. And then he reaches in with some tongs and tells Frodo, hold out, hold out your hand. You'll find this ring is actually pretty cool. And he also has uh, closed the blinds and everything, so it's dark in the room. Drops the ring into Frodo's hand, and he notes that it is cool to the touch. It's not hot. Its weight feels like it's changed. But it's, yeah, it feels heavier now. That was uh, a cool little bit. And it, and I didn't he, he's, that one. Yeah, he's said that before. Where he, he notices that this ring is, is known to expand and shrink a little bit. And when even when he pulled it out, 
the ring felt a little weightier and as he handed it to Gandalf it felt reluctant mm-hmm. and not only was Frodo slightly reluctant to hand over the ring but that the ring felt reluctant too you know what it reminds me of you know that little thing where you put like one, you like you have one finger bent down okay you have like okay I can't I'm trying to like describe something to like, <laughs> okay you know like when you have your like it's something we did as in high school or like we did as kids where you'd have your hand on the table and then you'd take your ring finger and you'd bend it to where your hand is resting on top of it. I never did that. And then you try to like, basically you lift up all your fingers except your middle finger and try to lift up your middle finger and you have this brief moment where it feels like it weighs like a thousand tons or something like that. I never did that. I feel like it's kind of like I've that. I've never done that in high school, but I believe you. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> the fact you believe me is good. So anyway... Frodo now looks at the ring, and whereas before it was just smooth and gold and shiny, now it's got these sort of thin stroke markings it's on the it. Finer than the, the stroke of a pen. Right. It's a type of elvish, only spoken in Mordor, which we're not going to speak well, here. Well, it's not elvish spoken in Mordor. The letters, it's the letters, letters are, elvish. are elvish. The language, Gandalf says, this is the language of Mordor. And it and says, be sure to drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> a crummy commercial? <laughs> So now I've been sitting on that one for about three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the Gandalf says the letters on the ring read one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. And he says these are two lines from uh, a bigger, very old, a very poem. old poem in elven lore, and it's the entire ring poem, uh, as we have seen it before. And we said it last week, so I mean, mm-hmm. that's uh, it. Basically, states the. The other rings, as well as this one, mm-hmm. and their kind of connection to each other, but mm-hmm. this one being the most powerful and specific, and the fact it's written on the side of the ring in fire script or whatever mm-hmm. is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> to put it lightly. I have to, I have to be honest, it was like the one thing I was like, why is there anything written on it? I, I feel like know. that's just kind of like hubris on Sauron's part. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, also, it's like a big gold, dumb, weird ring versus <laughs> the other ones, which have like stones in them, and this one's like... <laughs> just imagine like Sauron going to like a mall jeweler and being like, "Can you engrave this?" <laughs> I have to be honest. I was looking up like I was looking up like artistic renditions, uh, artistic interpretations of the Ring of Power, mm-hmm. and they've all sucked to me just because mm-hmm. like they. It's just, a ring. It's just they a just, gold they just band. based it off the movie, and I was thinking like, I, for some reason, someone somebody did one where it looked like it almost looked like a um, like an old chunk off of like the like axle wheel of like an old wagon but it was gold that looked cool like (laughs) super angular sorry it was random um so yeah Gandalf now says you know this is absolutely certainly the one ring and uh Sauron wants it back but it's imperative that he does not get it and then Frodo has a fit (laughs) yeah so now and, and Frodo's like well how how did this ring come to me and so, you know, Gandalf tells him the the, 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 whole story. the history that's important to how the ring came to Frodo. And then Frodo's like, okay, this must be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf then, this is where Gandalf says throw it in the fire. And Frodo, like, as he is, like, consciously throwing it in the fire, instead slips it back into his pocket. Yeah. No, we're not doing that right now. So, and it, so it's, it's <laughs> already, happening. you see... It's manipulating him. And then Gandalf is kind of chuckles. And he's like, well, your fire wouldn't burn it anyway. Yeah. You he, need a volcano. Yeah, you need a, a very specific volcano. <laughs> you need the cracks of doom. And uh, that's the only under, way that this ring can be and made. And it says, like, under that tower, 
Or we know it was no, it was Cracks of Doom within Mount Doom. Sorry, mm-hmm. it threw it threw a word around that I was like, I guess was Elvish or something for Mount Doom that made me go like, oh, is that the tower? But then it said after that, it's like no Mount Doom. The Cracks of Doom in the depths of Orodwin, the Fire Mountain, and cast the ring yep, in yeah. there if you really wish to de- to destroy it to put it beyond the grasp of the enemy forever. You guys, we should we should have a an Amon Amarth cover band called Orodwin. <laughs> Orodwin. And of course, Frodo says, I, I, I want it to be destroyed, or at least someone. And he kind of remarks that he's not really made for, you know, very important quests. Uh, but he does then say that I, I will I will take it out of the Shire because it needs to leave the Shire. <laughs> and then Gandalf says, there have been times when I thought that the Shire would benefit from being invaded by dragons <laughs> or dwarves or orcs. But right now I want the Shire to stay as it is. Uh, Gandalf, we're gonna let that one slide, but we're gonna we're gonna address that one later. <laughs> um, and Frodo also has this moment of sort of, why me, and Gandalf kind of says why you indeed. Uh, but nonetheless, this is the way it is. Frodo well, still you, is a t- you were chosen. Frodo still is a tween if he's asking why me. <laughs> and also, uh, Frodo does also say some bad stuff about Gollum and. Yeah. About, like, how, like, Frodo should have killed him when he had a chance. Bilbo, yeah, Bilbo Bilbo should have killed him. It's a pity Bilbo didn't kill him when he got the chance, and then Gandalf says, well, pity is what kept him from killing him in the first place. Yeah. He pitied him. Yeah. And then talk about, and there was, like, a line about, like, knowing when to take a life, and... Well, yeah, he's so... uh, Gandalf says... There is so much Gandalf wisdom in this chapter. It's great. And, yeah, that whole thing about pity. He says, pity is what stayed Bilbo's hand. And he says that... Uh, many who deserve or, or many who deserve to live end up dying and some that deserve li- or some, oh, some that deserve this. life some that, d- that deserve life yeah many that live deserve death and some that die deserve life can you give it to them then do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment for even the very wise cannot see all ends so really awesome he's, it's not up to us to decide who lives and who dies and that well, and, and yeah. that and that whole pause that Bilbo had is very very important and yeah that's why Bilbo has the ring and or, or that it passed that Bilbo got the ring and that you got the ring as well. I like how basically one event in one chapter of one book has had such repercussions this far down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just forget some really that's what I'm talking about because every, <laughs> every single every single one chapter, event you know the yeah. singing and decoration. <laughs> but I mean the Hobbit specifically. Every like that chap that chapter has like left its mark. We're constantly going back to it over and over. And if you'll remember, uh, Tolkien actually went back and edited that chapter to make yeah, sure that, that it would yeah. stand up to what it needed to stand up to. <laughs> but yeah, ev- yeah, it's a very important chapter. Um, oh, also there there was a little thing that I that I liked. So when uh, it's that moment when when Gandalf's like, okay, yeah, try to destroy. What do you think? And then there, so uh, Frodo's looking at the ring, and there's a line there that I really liked because it was an oddity, kind of. It says, It was an admirable thing and altogether precious as he's looking at the ring. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that word. <laughs> so then, once Frodo resolves to get it out of the Shire, Gandalf was like, Okay, well, you need to think of a traveling buddy. And then, like, almost immediately after is when Gandalf, like, swoops to the window and, like, pinches, like, reaches down and pinches Sam's ear. Poor Sam has been 
tending the garden this oh, whole time. Oh, oh. <laughs> How long have you been eavesdropping? And then Sam says, there aren't any eaves on Bag Insider, <laughs> and that's a fact. And it's like, okay, yeah, like, you've you got a point there. We- and then, you know, Sam starts getting all excited and he says, but I did overhear some stuff about, you know, a really powerful ring and there were elves involved. Could you take me to see elves? I really want to see elves. Literally lists everything, yep. which is a great little bit. Like, well, I heard about elves and Mordor and a Dark Lord and this guy named Gollum and something about Bilbo and having some weird ring and, you know, just said everything. Can I go see elves? <laughs> and then Gandalf says... It, it basically Gandalf invites him inside while lifting him through the window <laughs> with the shears, grass clippings, and all. I imagine just like, wait, come inside, little buddy. You know. And Gandalf's like, well, guess what? You are going to go with Mr. Frodo. That's your punishment. And Sam, this is like his. He 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 loves his punishment. This is the the best thing ever. And Sam like squeeze in delight because <laughs> he gets to go see him. Nice. Um, it also so, says yeah. this is the first time that Frodo realizes leaving. The Shire means saying goodbye to people. Yeah, because he had this pang. You know, he, he actually does have friends. And while while he does, he has been itching to go on an adventure, sort of. And remember that Uncle Bilbo's adventure began when he was 50. And Frodo kind of has been feeling like he should have some Do kind that, of nice big yeah. adventure of his own. Maybe not quite this perilous quest to destroy an evil ring, but... How okay. old is Sam? So, uh, I, Sam is... Let me check the appendix. I feel I mean, like how- he's around Bilbo or uh, Frodo's age. They're I, I, they're fairly similar in age, I believe. Um, it's even better than Sam squeeing in delight, though. It says, "Me, sir!" cried Sam, springing up like a dog invited for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ears perked up and everything. Can, yeah. Imagine the happiest dog, which you know dogs quite often look very happy. But imagine the happiest dog ever. That is Samwise Gamgee right Wait, now. Really? He's not listed under Sam. I guess I have to go to Gamgee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I asked Marion Peppy. Oh, here we go. One name. Okay. Gamgee. <laughs> this oh. is the Gamgee section. Gamgee Andy, Gamgee Eleanor, Gaffer, Halfast, Hamfast, Sam, Princey Samwise, Gam... Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. 930... That might be... I don't know that... I don't know that we that we have a specific. I, I, I just wanted a bare ballpark, and I mean, I feel like most of the hobbits are around. I feel like he'd have to be younger, though. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Here is the brandy buck. Wait, is that a family tree? Yeah. What the what? Here's the brandy buck family tree. Uh, the, apparently, the chief oh patriarch my. is Gormadoc Deep Delver. Uh, there, he's the Longfather family tree. Oh, master. Tr- the Longfather Tree of Master Samwise. So we do have... Let me see. Okay, Samwise was born in 1380. I guess that's Shire Reckoning. Yeah. Um, yep. Is there a... Baggins. Baggins, here we go. Okay, so Frodo... Um, where's Frodo? Frodo was born in 1368, and what did I say Sam was? So, Sam, so Sam's a little younger. So yeah. So, yeah, Sam is 12 years younger, so he would be what... A f- 38 right yeah. now. And Mary and Pippin are also younger than Frodo is. So that makes much more sense to me. Yes, I okay. was so, uh, confused about that. So Pippin is a descendant of Rosa, who married Hildegrim took, who was, uh, let me see here, the cousin of Frodo's grandfather, Fosco. This is how in-depth these <laughs> family trees get. Wow. Well. Mary is also a cousin. Yes. The chapter ends with them about to set out. Yep. That's it. Yep. 
What was in this chapter again? This is called A Shadow of the Past. Ah, which yeah, is yeah. like the oldest chapter written of the book. As he says in his foreword. I mean, it, yeah. it feels like that would make sense. This seems like a, this seems like a chapter you would start with. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes, like, one of those things, like, oh, to kind of, like, chomp at the bit, th- throw all this, you know... <laughs> well, and it's very important... History in there. It, yeah, it's, it's important because all of that ring history is central to this story. Because this story is all about the ring. Okay, yeah, we're just... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, like, going on this. I, I looked at these tables for hours as a good kid. Stuff. They, yeah, they, they're fascinating. One thing I like about the, 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 the hobbits, and we... I forgot to discuss this in the last episode, is there are hobbits with names like, um... Blanco and Esmeralda. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Like, are there Latino hobbits? He just—I I mean, I just feel like uh, Tolkien likes the hobbits so much. She's just like, I'm just gonna throw whatever names because uh, whatever name I find cool, <laughs> they get those names. <laughs> like Trotter and Bingo. Yeah, he thinks that, he thinks Bungo is the coolest thing ever. Bungo Baggins is a cool name. It is a cool name. No, it is a cool name. It's got a ring to it. Be you honest, know? A, a, a ring to it. Shut you up. Know, <laughs> if you liked that joke, you shouldn't have put a ring in it. <laughs> okay, what were your favorite parts of the reading for today? Besides my awesome <laughs> ring joke. <laughs> Mine was just the, the little quote I said about where he's like, if we talked about this, spring would pass into winter. Mm-hmm. I liked your joke. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my joke. No, uh, the... The aspects about Smeagol's backstory that I had no idea about, particularly mm-hmm. the, as- the stuff dealing with his grandmother, which was weird and I didn't expect at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's it. My favorite uh, bits were all of the sort of Gandalf wisdom that we got in this chapter because it's some of my favorite Gandalf lines ever. Um, Gandalf about hobbits, about how, you know, they're both soft but tough. Yeah. And that he feels that they can resist the rings of power better than anyone could ever imagine. Uh, Also, Gandalf uh, talking about it would be a grievous blow to the world if the Shire were to be in danger and the hobbits were to be enslaved. Because again, these people are so pure and wonderful. It's like the heart and soul of Middle Earth. Yeah, da, da, and Gandalf da, wants to da, da, protect da, da, that. Da. Oh my God, um, guys! We went an entire episode without me bursting at a song. Well, now you ruined it. No, well, but you, but you, you, you told me to put a ring on it, so that was uh, almost. Yeah, that was almost song. there. Um, <laughs> the third bit, bit of Gandalfism. I can't pick only one from this chapter. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I can't. The third one, uh, Gandalf's line. You don't line, get to have one next week. The though. line about no, I get all the favorite moments. So uh, Frodo is having that why me moment, and uh, I wish that I didn't have this ring. And why did this happen? Have to happen during my time? And Gandalf says, I wish this had, didn't happen during your time as well. But that's not for us to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us, which is, uh, again, one of the most important lines out of all of these books to me. Mm-hmm. And, and and now I'm really resisting the urge to sing I Wish from <laughs> Into the Woods. And my final favorite moment was the pity uh, discussion about Bobo pitying yeah. Gollum. And Gandalf even believes that there's sti- still some good left in Gollum. Uh, and his part to play may and, be shown yeah, or something. He still has a part to play so in this story, and he still could be saved, maybe. There's still hope for, for Gollum. 
all of that is very important and uh, all of this kind of little bits of wisdom that Gandalf gives us in this chapter again are some of the most important to me as far as deciding what's the right way to behave and what's the right way to treat people nice one little thing before we go because maybe it's because I'm hungry I don't know <laughs> this came to my uh, came to me today and I just realized I've been thinking a lot about the hobbits and hobbit food. And I was thinking this might be something that they would eat. I don't know why. I Again, I'm hungry. <laughs> Y'all heard of a Glasgow Munchie Box? I have not. I have not, but that's not sounds heard of like a Glasgow Munchie I Box. I mean, it sounds kind of dirty, and it is kind of dirty now I'm looking at it. Um, basically, it's a big box, like a pizza box, and they fill it sorts of uh, food. A lot of food. It's just like a, a garbage plate. Yeah. Mm hmm. This one in particular that I'm looking at right now has got pizza, french fries, chicken bits, uh, pokras, salad, a tube of sauce, and salad is like meat, it looks like, mm -hmm. uh, and Donner meat. And I'm going to look at this picture. I think hobbits would be... <laughs> um, um, yeah, ho no, hobbits would, would probably appreciate that. I'd eat the crap oh my out God. of it. Yeah, they would appreciate that. I had a bowl of cereal <laughs> and a salad. I'm starving at this point now. <laughs> All right. So um, you've probably heard us talk about it last week, but we have launched, we're, we're in the process now of launching other podcasts and have a new website. So if you'd visit theextracurricular.com and take a look, we'd really appreciate it. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated.